It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe, on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Second hour, light the tower well underway here on the horn. Craig Way, Jeff Howe, our producer, Cameron Parker with you. We're at the up till noon, and then it'll be Chad and Zay. Uh, happy birthday to uh, Wendy Hastings, Chad's wife, today. Oh, happy no. birthday to Nancy Madani, John yes. Madani's wife. Both of them celebrating a birthday today. So Enjoyed my time with uh, the Madanis at your wedding. Yes. You know, John's one of those guys who could have a good time at an insurance seminar. You know, mm-hmm. he he just is. You know, but uh, uh, but yeah, I, it, and uh, and she's one of the great ladies that I know. So you know, uh, as as many places as he's been, I saw this on his Facebook timeline. Uh, he was for his ESPN radio responsibilities. He mm-hmm. was doing the uh, the Knicks calf series. Yeah, I didn't know that was the first time he'd ever been to Madison Square Garden. How about that? Yeah. How about that? Yeah. As many play as many cool places as he's been. That was that was, that was another one checking off the list. There, so uh, there you go. Uh, clean up from hour number one. Uh, there was there was a lot of folks uh, like like uh, the Gringo was talking about Hispanic Titanic could have helped the Texas this season by coming back for a senior year instead of hitting 091 in single A. As you pointed out, uh, Jeff, he was uh, injured, and somebody else pointed out he was hit by a pitch. Uh, in the uh, cheek and eye area, he posted a picture on his Instagram account. Oh, yeah, it was on his Instagram story, which is why yeah. I can't find it now. Yeah, that, this was apparently this apparently happened over the weekend. He was on the injured list at the beginning of the month. Yeah, so yeah, so it's a, it's it, a slow it start for him. It happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, that shouldn't diminish what he did here, though. No, no, uh, a- absolutely. Look, when, when Keith Moreland, who might be I know this thing a lot. Maybe the best pure hitter to ever come through this baseball program. When he says it's the finest offensive season he's seen in, mm. in, since he's been following this program, yep, I'll take his word for it. And he said it pretty regularly whenever asked uh, last year. Uh, somebody else, uh, nice words. It said, always admire, Craig, how diplomatic you are, even with irate fans. I'm mad, hey, versus anyone but OU, right? And at home, yeah, inconceivable. Uh, when I was a kid, my dad took me to a game at Old Clark Field. Uh, th- that's good. Um uh, I'm, you know, listen, fans are what they are. I mean, that was, you know, it comes from the word fanatic. Originally, fans were called cranks in the old. Come again? Cranks at the turn of the 20th century. That's what that baseball means, fans were called, cranks. I mean, something that, a little different now. Yeah, well, it can mean cranky in this case, well. <laughs> you know. But I've always, always have respect for folks' opinion even though sometimes I feel like you know they might not have all the information or or be completely informed on it or whatever. Listen, you're a fan. You're entitled to be either rational or irrational. Either sometimes it's a mixture of both. Sure, there's a portion it's of the okay. fan base portion of the fan base that feels like they got hit in the crank over the weekend. Yeah, yeah well, there you go. Uh, so I get it. Uh, I understand that. Um, uh, Tom Emily Wolfman was uh, paying. Uh, tribute there to uh, lifetime Longhorn Peyton Stearns lost a, a tough three-set final in the ITF 
tournament in Charleston yesterday, uh, where she was, Texas women's tennis, won the Big 12 tournament title to go with a regular season title. The um, uh, Longhorn men's tennis team dropped the Big 12 tournament championship match to TCU yesterday. They won the regular season. It wouldn't surprise me if those two wind up playing for the national championship when all is said and done. Craig, how about when people in the text want to call you a T-shirt fan? Now that's when I'm mad. No. <laughs> that's a good point. It was Arkansas. Uh, the, the Arkansas and, and I didn't get to this earlier, but this texter also asked about Bear Alexander from yeah. Georgia. Yeah, committed to USC last night. Yeah. So, yeah, that was. Yeah. Now, Cameron, am I am I off? Am I off base when I say that was never happening for Texas? Uh, I guess so. Yeah, you did say that. Yeah. Uh, okay, um, I, I do want to address something that Don had texted in because this comes from the department of being able to perhaps clarify and give a little more illumination by information. He said, I'm frustrated with Pierce. Game one, a one-run game, man on first and third, one out, uh, and the pitcher's been getting ground balls. Called a safety, squeeze for one pitch, then hit away in a double play. Why not squeeze again or send the runner to draw a throw? Also, has no one noticed Eric has changed his st- Stance. Thanks, Don. Here's the deal, Don. The reference to what you're making is when Jack O'Dowd was at the plate with runners on the corners. Jack is a good bunter. The squeeze was on. Jack fouls off the first pitch or misses whatever. It's strike one. So, and and uh, David even said this in the postgame interview with Roger Wallace down on the field. The squeeze was still on. Jack got called for a pitch clock violation. That's right, yep. Assessed the strike. Now you're at two strikes. And so at that point, the bun has to come off, and he winds up hitting into a double play. He's a good contact guy. But that's the reason he was assessed a strike. It was that kind of weekend, too, for those kinds of things as well. But that's the reason why the the, the squeeze came off. He got called for, for in, in the hitter's case, it's an action clock. Violation. I'm not crazy about that term. Action just, clock. Just say pitch clock. Yeah, because yeah. pitches are involved. So he got called for the pitch clock violation. So as a hitter, you're assessed a strike. So now it's 0-2. So it comes off at that point. It's kind of like we had this bit during basketball early on when we were told about, you know, the proper way to identify the new arena. Yeah. It's like you're supposed to either say Moody Center, right. not with a V, or the mood. The mood. I'm like, I'll be, I'm with you on dropping the V in front of Moody Center. I ain't right. When I'm right, I ain't calling it the, yeah, the mood. I think I might have called it that once or twice during the year, but it was mainly Moody Center. Moody it, Center, that. That, that's, but, that's just fine. But, Don, that's what I meant when I said by illumination by some information. Remember, he had a pitch clock violation called on him. So now at two strikes, a bunt's got to come off, and it does, and he winds up into a double play, and that's unfortunate. You said no one noticed Eric has changed his stance. He changed that stance before he got red hot uh, on back, where he's holding the bat up higher. Uh, Keith Moreland made note of that. Where were we? On the road? College Station, maybe? There was a, there was a place where we were on the, on the road where he talked about how uh, – when he ripped it into high gear, going from the mid-250s to the mid-350s. Now of late, he has been slumping and struggling and things of that nature, and I think what the batting average is, I'll tell you exactly what it is. It is right now uh, 317. He's batting 317. Uh, But he actually made that change on back a ways. So 
you know, under understand understand that as well. And that's what I mean when I say we hope to be able to provide, you know, some illumination through some information there on that. Uh, so, Gregor <laughs> says, I think Texas got swept because Skip Johnson has inside info and has the ghost of Augie on his coaching staff. <laughs> it didn't help Skip against Texas last year, except in that Big 12 tournament final. But it, it uh, whatever it might have been, it certainly helped him oh, go all the way to the national championship. That and having a healthy Kate. I'll give Belton Gringo credit when I when I met him in person. And shout out Card Traders of Austin. Yeah, he was leaving, and I was walking in. Did he stop you because he, he recognized yeah, you? Yeah, and and we talked for a little bit, and he's making a concerted effort to be. I'm not going to say more positive, but maybe a little more. Uh, level-headed yeah. on the text line. I, oh, and I agree. I, a, I, I, I agree. stand-up job. Yeah, and, and I agree with a lot of uh, what he says as well. So uh, I think he's speaking tongue-in-cheek, obviously, there on that deal. So, you know, that's 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 part of it as well. Somebody said, um, uh, you know, is that where shellac and whipping butt came from, a shillelagh? Actually, it just came from, like, if you shellac something, using shellac, like you just got whacked. I don't think it came from the shillelagh although it would make sense mm-hmm. that's you know the biggest news of the day is that you actually owned a shillelagh I did, well I, I, uh, i'm pretty sure i found that leaning up by the dumpster uh at our apartment complex did you ever put on like a green derby and and dance and no Irish? i just liked having it i just yeah. it was just a nice uh just a nice deal to carry on at the party like i'd have my big cup of like you know Captain Morgan and Diet Coke in one hand and mm-hmm. the shillelagh in the other. Were you rooting for the Fighting Irish at that no, point no, in Notre Dame? No, no, not a big Notre Dame fan. You and the Leprechaun? No, no? I mean I am. Not I, on, my, on my dad's side of the family, there's Irish. Yeah, so, see. the more you know, they're, they're they're more they're more Boston College fans than Notre Dame fans. Craig uh, Gringo says, "I just say a lot of garbage and hope some of it sticks." <laughs> well, then you fit right in with most. Yeah, other folks. As we well. got to talk basketball. Correct? We're going to do that next yeah. because next is our second hour Longhorn Notebook when we continue with Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019 AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Light the Tower with Craig Webb and Jeff Howe. I guess if you say so, I'll have to pack my things and go. This is Light the Tower on the Horn. Craig Wade, Jeff Howe with you. We talked a lot of Longhorn baseball in the first hour of the program. Hey, somebody asking on the Specs text line, Jeff. Doesn't Seamus come out with a shillelagh when he wrestles? Says um, John Jimmy the Gringo. You know, he did at one point. I don't think he does anymore. He mm. didn't. Uh, last uh, last time I saw Seamus was when I was at the Royal Rumble in person, and I don't believe he did. So <laughs> he didn't. He didn't so. haul out the yeah. shillelagh. Uh, somebody else said, "Hey, shellac is made of bugs. It's shell lacquer." Finley used to come out with the shillelagh when he had Hornswoggle with him. Hornswoggle. Oh, was really? A, uh, it's a little. It's a little person. Oh, okay. All right. I'm glad you straightened that out. That's that's in, important to know. You need to know these things, Craig. Uh, I know. I know. Uh, oh, here's somebody else. Of, let's say, Please retire your use of as well. You just used it four or five times in a damn ad. It's such a lame way to say to or also. Plus, it's addictive. The whole station starts overusing it. You know what? This is somebody who's listening very closely. So... I'll uh, 
take your uh, your suggestion very intently as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I saw what you did there. How <laughs> you picking I'll, up what I'm putting down? Yeah. Uh, I'll try to uh, uh, keep that in mind. As I started, I wasn't going to say as well. I started to say as a, a reference point. <laughs> I was supposed to say so. There you go. Sorry that it bothered you. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's. It is Monday, isn't it? All right, let's go to our Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Okay, let's talk about let's talk some good stuff as well. Talked enough no, no, bad no, no, stuff. No, we'll talk, talk some, some good, good stuff. stuff. Yeah. So, two things uh, to check for to to talk about here with the basketball program. Big things that happened yesterday. Dylan DeSue coming back. We all expected that to happen. I mean, it, the closer it got. I'd heard that, you know, it, it looks like it's going to happen, just don't know when. Don't know when that domino is going to drop. And it turns out yesterday was the last day to put your name in the pool for the NBA draft. So you saw a lot of either entering the draft or coming back declarations made in college basketball yesterday. So it made sense. But Craig, Dylan DeSue's back. And I just like the fact that towards the end of the season, before, you know, the foot injury, you can look at the numbers and the production, and that was great. But I just think the confidence he started to play with, he looked the close. He looked the closest thing to the guy we saw at Vanderbilt than he has at any point in his time at Texas. Was that guy we saw for probably those last seven or eight games? Even you go back to the regular season, like he, I think people forget because he was so good in the Big Twelve tournament and in the NCAA tournament. You forget he had the twenty-four point game in Waco that kind of started this run. That run he had at the end of the year, so just that's right. Playing with it started com- with that one. Playing with confidence was just so huge for him. I thought, and now you basically in a, the span of a few hours, if you're Rodney Terry, your front court gets solidified. You get a commitment last night from Caden Shedrick, six eleven forward out of Virginia. Texas fans, how about that? You got a guy that's six eleven coming in, so I don't want to hear any complaints about size with the basketball team this year. They got plenty of size, and Craig, quite honestly, maybe two of the better, you maybe the best forward combo in the Big Twelve. You've got a chance to have that, and you throw Ron Holland into that mix. You know, Brock Cunningham is a veteran presence. Your front court's got a chance to be pretty salty. It's, and it's funny we're talking about Caden Shedrick and uh, at Horns twenty four seven, and somebody mentioned, well, his numbers don't look that impressive. And somebody chimed in and said, trust me, averaging 6.2 points a game at Virginia is like averaging 18 anywhere else. So yeah. trust me. Trust me, he can score. And I mentioned this. I wrote this in the story, and I mentioned this last week when we were talking about Caden. The Texas staff really feels like with the tempo they can play with, the speed they can play with, and the style of play that RT likes to use, they can really unlock his game and show off his athleticism, his versatility, his offensive game that's there that he really didn't get to showcase at Virginia. Do you realize, Craig, I looked at two different metrics last night, and it's not surprising. It's just it was more confirmation than revelation. Uh, I looked at Ken Palm, and I looked at Bart Torvik. Bart Torvik ranked 300. uh, He even ranks the transitioning transitioning schools that were making the the D1 transition. Uh, So Bart Torvik ranked 364 Division I schools. Virginia was 360. In adjusted tempo last year, right? And Ken Palm just ranked 360. He took out the four that were transitioning to Division One. Virginia was 360 out of 360 in adjusted tempo last year. So you're going from one of the literally the slowest team in the country to a team that led the Big 12 in scoring last year with that style our team wants to play. So yeah, it's going to be a, a world of difference for him. And then he, I don't know if did you catch the uh, 
The dealer camera, did you catch his little stream, his streaming announcement with Jeff Goodman last night? I didn't watch it. I yeah, saw I, it. I watched it, and uh, it kind of sounded like he was pretty much, not that he was knocking Tony Bennett in the Virginia program, but it sounded like he was ready to move on from that style of play Yeah, and, and get after something and that's else. A fair, that's a fair statement yeah. to make. Uh, but, you, you know, you got him, and uh, with him and DeSue, you've got, now you have two bona fide rim protectors. The kind of rim protection that... I don't think Texas has had probably since Shaka's last team when you had Kai Jones and Jericho Sims and guys that could really protect the rim for you. It's been since then that you've had this that kind of rim the kind of rim protection you're going to have this year. And what do you get when you get rim protection, Craig? You get block shots, you get transition opportunities, you get opportunities to finish. Caden Cedric was a really good finisher at Virginia, so I, I, I'm just looking forward to seeing what parts of his game this staff can unlock. And now. You start looking at this team, and like we joked, I joked in the first hour, yeah, Rodney, Rodney Terry is going to be able to field the team. Like they're going to have enough pieces to do that. Now you look at it, if you get Max Asmus from Oral Roberts, mm-hmm. which everything I've heard to this point suggests that he's he's coming. It just it's just a matter of when he's ready when to it's make, an make announcement. a decision. Yep. I, I would say Texas. I haven't heard anything that would. Caused me to back off on this that Texas probably could, should be considered the leader over K State in this recruitment right now. Uh, if he comes, now you've got a, a proven guard. If you get Tyrese Hunter back, that solidifies your backcourt. And then at that point, you're probably one pure guard and then one, you know, wing player, not necessarily an on ball guy, but an off the ball guy who can maybe give you a little bit of shooting. You're two pieces away from fielding a team that should allow you to compete night in, night out in the Big 12. With Caden Shedrick, with Dylan DeSue coming back, you got Ron Holland coming in. Now you're starting to see this thing take shape. So like I said, let this be a lesson, kids, going forward. Complaining about roster building in early April is akin to complaining about football recruiting in June. It does you no good. Just be patient. Things are going to happen. Things are going to come together at some point. And I think, Craig, for the momentum that Texas has now, Maybe now this is what Max Aismas needed to see to, to get him to pull the trigger and, and finish off that decision. Like I said, maybe things change, but I think Texas has every reason to feel good about Max Aismas right now. Uh, here's something else, Gringo. Okay? And, and this wasn't just throwing some, something, uh, as you say, say a lot of garbage and hope some of it sticks. This is something that isn't garbage. If he transfers to Texas, he'll only need 1,107 points to break Pistol Pete's career points record. That's if Texas can somehow play about 55 games. <laughs> that's all. That's all he needs. Something like that with, with all of the stuff that happened. Uh, with How many uh, multi-team Davis, events can you be? Uh, last year for Detroit Mercy. Yeah. And and then and then they didn't even get invited to the CBI. Which, by the way, uh, on the multi-team events, yeah. I'm, I'm very not, – not, no disrespect to because, you know, you honored Leon Black and you honored – uh, Abe Lemons with the two MTEs you played in each of the last two years. But the fact that now your multi-team event is you're going to New York to play in the Garden and the 2K Classic, I think the fans will dig that schedule much more than they did the previous schedule. Plus, you know, you're going to have the game with LSU mm-hmm. at Toyota Center. Uh, you're going to have the game against Marquette in Milwaukee, which Marquette's going to be a preseason top five, top three team in the country. Yep. Shock is going to have one of the better teams in the country coming back. It'd be interesting to see who they match up against in in the Garden. Yeah, 
uh, no Big 12 SEC challenge, but you're yeah. just with those handful of non-con games, just with your uh, upping your your MTE, you're already making your schedule much better. I guarantee you, Texas won't be in the 300s in non-conference strength of schedule. This no, year. that won't happen. That 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 won't. Happen, no matter who they're playing, otherwise yeah. in the non-con. Yeah. Re- re- remember, remember there was the the trip down to the valley, and that was kind of. As a mm-hmm. as a tip of the cap to Longhorn fans, same thing with the baseball team when they went down there last yeah. year, uh, connecting with the the fan base down there in their Rio Grande Valley. But obviously, that wasn't going to help them in terms of you know their scheduling. That's against Northern it, Arizona. Against Northern Arizona, yeah. it wasn't going to help yeah. much. So you know, and big news in the twenty twenty four class: Liam McNeely, five star prospect. Now you'll look at his twenty four seven Sports profile and you'll say, "Oh, he's a Florida kid. He's from Montver Academy." No, he's actually a Metroplex kid. Started out at good old J.J. Pierce, Richardson ISD. Mm-hmm. Then spent one season Home at, of uh, Drew Timmy, by the way. Yes. Uh, I believe Bob Ballou is a J.J. Pierce guy also. BK. Uh, yes, Brad, Brad Keller is a J.J. Pierce guy. Uh-huh. Um, started out at Richardson Pierce, then spent one year uh, at John Paul II in Plano. Then he went to, now he's at Montverde, same same program uh, Dylan Mitchell played for. And by the way, he's with the Florida Rebels now for the uh, for the Florida Rebs AAU program. Same AAU program Dylan Mitchell was a part of. Was he one year behind Jalen Tyson at Pope John Paul? Uh, let's see. No, it would have been multiple years because Jalen Tyson was class of 2021. One? Yeah. It so was 2024. Two... Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking back they to They wouldn't have crossed started. over. Right. Because okay. that would have been Liam's freshman year when Tyson was a senior. So right. I think. If I'm doing the math right in my head. Gotcha. But at any rate, uh, yeah, Liam McNeely, five-star prospect, big-time visitor. Uh, you know, Craig, there's always something. And, guy, you know, you talk to LaMarcus Aldridge and T.J. Ford, guys that from the state of Texas that end up going to Texas, mm-hmm. there's, there's, they'll tell you there's something special about Texas kids that wind up playing for Texas and making their mark on the 40 acres. And I think that's, that's something our team and the staff would really like to do, bring Liam McNeely back to the state of Texas. You got a 6'7", 200-pound versatile forward, uh, was playing on the staff, went and saw him. Before his official, the staff went and saw him in Atlanta. He was playing in that Nike EYBL event, the first uh, event for the one and two open weekends they've got in April. So uh, big-time visitor in the 24 class for Rodney Terry and company today. Yeah, Th- that added on to uh, the what we were talking about, the fact that uh, the announcement of Dylan DeSue yesterday, Caden Shedrick making the announcement last night, and what we expect will be the announcement of Max Asmus that he is coming. A gambling Fanatic poses a question, Craig. I don't know if you know the answer to this. So he said, honestly, Jeff, I like the Hawaii tournament. Texas was in the, the Hawaii tournament, the Maui Invitational. They were in that shock as last year. It was just they didn't play it. On the island, they played it in Asheville. Asheville, North Carolina, uh, fanatic. That was uh, because of the, obviously the protocols that happened as a result of the pandemic. That was one of, um, well, that was three because remember they played three games there and they won it. Uh, that was three of the four games that we actually broadcast remotely, weren't on site, and you know, knock on wood that we don't have to do much of that in the future. But I will tell you this, we were we were fortunate. We really were in that we had very few games uh, that we had to call remotely. You were set up a DKR for that, right? Yep, yeah. in the bowels of the stadium down there. And, and it is. I mean, it's down in there in that video room. And it had a great setup and everything. But yeah. it, obviously, and we all knew this going in, it's just not going to be the same thing. Right. 
when you're not there in person. But do you know the rule on MTEs, like how much of a gap there has to be before you can play in another one? Like, let's say you play in the Maui this year. Is four. It, so four, okay. At least four. So it, it would has be, to be at least four. It would be the Maui in 2025 uh, before Texas could play in it again. Uh, I actually think, well, no, remember they played it in November of 20. That's right. Okay, so it would be, oh, next year they could play. I it. think they are going back there next year. I, I, I think uh, it's on on the books that they will be in Maui in 24. But w- there were four games that we had to uh, brought, uh, do uh, remotely, and we were fortunate because just about everybody in the Big 12 had multiple games. Uh, in the case of Oklahoma State, they did almost every single game remotely including home games mm-hmm. including home games and uh there were there were several others who did we were fortunate on that we didn't go to Asheville because the tournament could not assure us that we'd actually have a place to broadcast from yeah and, and, and by the time they did tell us it was like two days before the tournament we'd already made a decision we're just going to do it from there and then the one other time that it happened was the makeup game with Iowa State on a Monday, that last week of the regular season in Ames, and that was because Iowa State had to postpone due to protocol issues during right. the year. And so that created a three-game week. It was Monday, Ames, Thursday, Norman. That's right, yeah. yeah. Sunday, Fort Worth. And uh, it was it was going to be difficult to make happen. And so we ended up doing that, and it was, uh, it was a 5 o'clock game in the afternoon. And in in Ames, so we do the game remotely, and then I raced over to Dish Falk and called baseball against A and M Corpus. By the way, that evening, Craig mentioned that Texas could play in the Maui next year. Uh, I know we have some listeners that are in contact throughout the day with my wife. Please don't mention anything to her because I don't want to come home saying, "Are we going to Hawaii for oh, Thanksgiving next year?" Oh, you're gonna get that 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 so kind of grief. Let's from just tap the brakes. <laughs> Make sure you heard, Craig. If Texas is going to play in the Maui, they can do it as early as next year. I don't need to. I don't need to go through a semantics <laughs> argument with my wife later at the house. Uh, but hopes, it so. is ironic that Texas not only did they win the Maui Invitational for the first time, they got to the final for the first time. They never gotten to the final. Mm-hmm. We've done games where they'd lost the first game, wind up playing in that fifth place game. Oh God, the, which the Shamanade year. Yeah, that. Uh, uh, well, that year they wound up playing for seventh because they lost all three. The um, the, the several of the other times they wound up playing for fifth and fifth. Logistically speaking, travel purpose speaking, it's better to play for fifth than to play for third, because third is later in the day and you can't get out and until either late that night or early the next morning, and fifth. You can still catch the flight out and get home. It winds up being a red eye, but you get home. Nice. That that kind of thing. So not only did they win it for the first time, but they play and and they had some good games. The Davidson game was real tight, the first one. Uh yeah. the Indiana game in the semis. No, they blew out Indiana. Uh they like they had a really what I what I was getting to is they had a really good performance of that. And yeah. then of course beating North Carolina in the mm-hmm. final. So yeah. And all that was in Asheville. Uh and and so they they won that one. All right. Not, okay. not a lot, Craig, gets me as excited as seeing high-level basketball in the Lahaina Civic Center right around Thanksgiving. All 2,400 seats of it, part of Feast Week. We'll be back to wrap up today's edition of Light the Tower on the Horn. 
We're out of time for the program. I, I'm, I'm going to get to Stoner's. What? No, he act, he actually told the story about the Hawaii trip that got canceled on back. Uh, that sort of thing. But um, somebody else uh, asked a question. Oh, it was Tom who said, uh, when UT moves into the SEC full-time, what cities are you most looking forward to? Uh, we'll get to that tomorrow. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. There are a couple other things as well. Appreciate the uh, participation on the text line today, boys always. and girls. We always do. Good, bad, and different, whatever. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Thanks to our man behind the glass, our producer, Cameron Parker. Good job, Cam. Uh, we invite you to stay tuned. Chad and Zayer up next. For my co-host, Jeff Howe, I'm Craig Way. Thanks for joining us. We'll visit with you tomorrow morning right here on Light the Tower.